Hey guys, welcome back for another episode at the B is for Brutal MMA podcast. We really appreciate you guys who come back every week uh, to chill with us and just talk about UFC. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find our show. And um, thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, are you thinking about starting a podcast like this one? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone in an app or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, this is B is for Brutal MMA, I think episode 22, and we have Miss Kayla Deontes with us. Hello. She's an MMA fighter um, based out of Colorado, and we're really excited to have, it's Colorado, right, I think? So it's actually New Mexico. New Mexico. Jackson Wink in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I moved here like maybe going on five years ago now, maybe okay. six Oh, okay. And she's here with us today. Super excited to have her. It's our first um, female fighter on. So I'm super excited about that just because I know women in MMA is like skyrocketing right now. And that's really exciting. Hell yeah. What an honor. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so nice too, because, you know, one like female empowerment is so important, but it's also like sometimes when people like think of MMA, they don't think about women. I'm like, the girls are like pretty strong and like, also just like i think women are more like a t- ad- like attention like oriented and detailed so i think that helps a lot too right. like having a high fighter iq mixed martial arts has always been about empowering people right ever since the yeah. beginning right and i think that you know this sport particularly empowers women and empowers kids and you know just the entire thing about the person who gets bullied or whatever and all that kind of stuff so uh, I think that's definitely helped a lot too. And like you said, women's MMA is just growing so quickly and um, it's only getting better. And it's like the days of like shitty female fighters are kind of over. Yeah. Um, women with no wrestling, it's kind of over. Women with no striking or women who are just one dimensional, whatever, which way, just like for men, right? About maybe like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know. But you start just seeing there is no low-level male mixed martial arts and the same is happening for females as as it evolves as well yeah I completely agree like even in like the UFC you can see that there's not a lot of specialists anymore most people are like super well-rounded to where they've got BJJ you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling striking and you kind of have to be good at like everything and like keep practicing everything you know there's not like one person who's you know just the judo or something Right. That's becoming just more and more rare because, you know, just having all these different tools and different facets and and mannerisms of just shutting things down and being able to make it into an art. Right. And having different tools for different problems. It's like, are you going to fix all the problems that MMA can give you with just a wrench or, you know, are you going to bring it down? 
Exactly. How did you get started with like MMA and fighting? Like what kind of got you interested in fighting? Okay. So a little bit of a long story. Um, I guess we can start out by when I was about 15, I was having some, you know, home problems. Um, and a lot of those home problems and the kind of abuse that was beautiful, awesome mom, by the way. Okay. You know, I'll be frank, like abusive dad. Right. Um, I was about 400 pounds, I would say, oh, wow. and my was about 15, and once he was arrested, I started just really evolving and taking off, and, um, you know, definitely lost a bunch of weight, definitely, you know, I started going to high school for the first time, which was, like, a big deal for me, because I had been homeschooled for a very long time, um, and I just started doing things that I didn't really think I had been able to, especially at that weight. Um, so like one of those things was mixed martial arts. It was something that I had once tried with a free program and my like elementary school for karate. Um, and I remember going to the karate class and I had on my big gi, right? And I loved it. I loved having my little uniform and all that stuff. And I really loved it, right? And then about two weeks in, we had like a belt promotion. And so for the belt promotion, there was, um, they, they put me with another girl who was far smaller than me. Cause I, even at that age, I was incredibly like overweight and such. Um, but a smaller girl who was very more advanced than I was at that time. And she, and like we were sparring, right? Or as yeah. much sparring as you can when you're like eight, right? Yeah. Sparring and she totally got my ass handed to me. Cool, right? But <laughs> at the end, they had all the kids sit against the wall and close our eyes. And the idea was, okay, close your eyes. And then we're going to ask the parents who they think should get their belt promotion, right? And I remember when it came to me, of course, I'm sitting there like peeking through my hand, right? Like, oh who's going to close their eyes, right? Which is what they had asked of the kids. Um, and I remember, I remember opening my eyes and looking and I noticed my dad hadn't raised his hand and nobody had, right? And I felt a little like embarrassed and kind of, yeah, just embarrassed by that. And then when the girl next to me, the one who had beat me, they asked, the parents to raise their hands then all the parents did right enthusiastically including my dad and I remember just being so yeah. discouraged by that at such a young age that I decided to quit um and that memory was one that stuck with me when I was about 16 or 17 at this point and I walked into um a place called Boxing Inc that was like a cardio kickboxing kind of place right yeah and from there I met one of my coaches and um yeah, I remember I walked in finally to do the Muay Thai class, right? Not the cardio kickboxing, the Muay Thai class. Yes. I'm a human, right? I walked in there. I was so ready. And then they were like, oh, no, this is the jujitsu class. You're thinking of Wednesdays and Mondays. It's Thursday. We're doing jujitsu. <laughs> I was so anxious at that point that I wasn't about to just be like, oh, okay, this isn't the class I meant to buy, guys. So I did what made me equally as afraid and anxious, which was to roll on the ground with a bunch of sweaty strangers that I've met. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the beginning of the class, I was really kind of worried, anxious, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like I said, you know, just coming from a history with um, that kind of abuse, I 
literally cannot think of something that would have terrified me more yeah. <laughs> than that. But I did it. By the end, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That was so much fun. That's so think, awesome. Yeah. From there, just started growing and growing. And eventually that coach took me aside and, and Tyson was his name. And Tyson was like, you know, Kayla, if you really want to do this seriously, you know, eight hours away is a place in New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, Jackson Week, one of the best gyms around. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And um you know, obviously making a long story short here, but packed up my stuff and left. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I'm glad you liked it that much. That's while my husband or my co-host, he trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it kind of like crosses my mind sometimes. I'm like, "Mm, maybe I should, you know, at least for like self-defense reasons, try a class with it. I'm like, I'd be so like intimidated, you know, because like you said, just rolling around with strangers. Yeah, no, you definitely should. I think jiu-jitsu is probably the one that I would like because you know I think that mixed martial arts I think it's a I don't think everyone can do it right but what I do think is someone can benefit from all aspects of it right uh the most being like jiu-jitsu right I think everyone can benefit from that especially women especially in self-defense I don't know where you guys are at but I know that Tucson's kind of a fight city, and so yeah. is, um, <laughs> so is Albuquerque. Albuquerque a lot more so. We're in uh, Florida, Tucson, yeah. and everybody thinks everyone here is crazy, so. <laughs> oh, how are you going to defend yourself from Florida, man, if you don't know how to train jiu-jitsu? Yeah, exactly. Huh. I was like, I don't really need to. I haven't gotten any fights or, like, felt, like, unsafe. I was like, it would be cool. You know, people work like, do you know anything? I'm like, not really. I can do, like, a rear naked choke. Like, I know a little bit, but, like, I don't know if I could like use it though. <laughs> you would lo- I mean, and I don't want to say you would love it because I don't know if you would love it. Yeah. Right? That's something I've learned as I've grown up a lot. It's kind of like what works for me isn't going to work for anyone else, right? Not necessarily, right? Exactly. Um, rather that be, you know, diet or exercise or philosophy or whatever kind of gym stuff I like, techniques, like it's not going to work for everyone and that's okay. But I will say for me, I really love it. I love that, like I mentioned, the empowerment aspects of it, but yeah. this, the puzzle of it all, right? It's a puzzle. It's, you know, you you think about chess, like jujitsu and chess have always been compared a lot, but nah, it's like chess, but like I'm fucking flipping the table, right? Like yeah. there's so much art of it and there's so much technique to it and there's so much... Um, almost escapism I would say yeah I think so because it's like you got to get out of this choke because or whatever position you're in to win you know kind of like an escape room I don't know if you've done an escape room but it's like kind of like that like you're trying to do like all these puzzles to like get out there and you only have a certain amount of time before it's over right there is a way to there is there's always a way out right there's always a, a path that you can go to it's just knowing that path and being able to execute it right but there's this idea for me, at least one of the things I very early fell in love with, with mixed martial arts is whenever I have a, you know, 250 pound guy, I mean, top side control, right. And I'm just trying to shrimp. All I can think about shrimp, shrimp, shrimp. I can't <laughs> think about, you know, what's going on in school, what's going on at home or, you know, all those kind of stuff. Right. I, it, there's that escapism that I've always really uh, liked yeah and that's pretty interesting too one thing I like about mixed martial arts is like it really teaches like discipline like not only over your body but your mind 
And I feel like the average person walking around doesn't have that, you know? Right. It's made everything slow down. You know, after you, after you go into a fight and you handle that kind of pressure and that it really does teach you a lot. Right. Like I think GSP was talking about once he's like on the way to the biggest fight of his life and he sees some old lady crossing the street and he's like, Oh, she doesn't care. Yeah. She doesn't care that I'm about to maybe get my ass kicked, you know? And I think, I think it teaches you how to continue trying something and, and how to reap rewards. And I think too, you know, there's a, in this combination, there's a lot of ways that you can cheat the system, right? Um, (laughs) Rather it be, you know, having a very pretty figure or, uh, you know, having parents that really help you out financially or so much fakeness, right? In social media and what we post and kind of just being able to escape that, right? Yeah. This kind of fakeness that's around everything with mixed martial arts. It's like one of the most real things for me that I know, you know, um, once you step into that cage, it doesn't really matter what kind of face you made at me during weigh-ins. It doesn't matter what you saw on your social page, matter where you're from, what your parents did, what your skin color is, all this kind, it doesn't matter. What matters and what's going to happen is the hard work. Yeah. If I said I ran all the time by gas out, clearly didn't, right? Yeah, Tony Ferguson said something similar to that. I thought it was pretty interesting. He was like, everything else can be faked, but he's like, you can't fake that. You get in there and it shows who's the best fighter that night. And like that pain is real. Like there's not faking anything. So right. it's crazy. And if I wanted to get like pedantic, right? I could be like, okay, well, if they, you know, they could use that social media to get sponsorships and then they get to train harder because they have the financial means. But that's another thing in the sport too, is like you really, it's, Maybe it's other people too, because I've seen some people be able to lie them to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I can't, you know, like if I skip a day of training, I genuinely am like, oh my gosh, like I got to fucking go. I got to make the most, what am I yeah. doing? I'm going to get my ass kicked. If I, you know, you can't lie to yourself in the sport, right? Or at least me personally, again, not speaking for everyone, though it seems really common it's hard to lie to yourself about mixed martial arts. Yeah, I, I can definitely get that because it's kind of like when you like, I take a spin class like every week and it's kind of like, okay, if you don't turn your resistance up on the bike to make it harder to pedal, like no one else is going to know, but you're like cheating yourself, you know, out of like the results that you could get, you know? Right. Cheating yourself is such a big concept too, because uh, I remember, I think about that all the time is like, who do you, who are you doing this for when you, you know, say you, you know, if you're not pushing yourself as hard as you can, if you're not showing up to your classes, right, if you're not doing the best thing for yourself, you're not, you know, oh, like cheat days with like food, right, it's like, you're not, you're cheating yourself, you know, and I think that in a world like this one too, especially for, for so many people, you know, a lot of us haven't had um, you know, maybe the best parents, why are you going to be a shitty parent to yourself? Maybe we don't have the best friends. Why are you going to be a shitty friend to yourself? I think it was, um, Will Smith that said like the entire world is going to try to kick you 
So why are you gonna kick yourself? You know? Yeah. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, I, yeah. So I guess yeah, just having mixed martial arts has taught me so much, and um, I just I just really want to go out there and represent it, and especially like you were saying, as a female, I think that representation, you know, can be really huge and can be really uh, uh, life changing. Yeah, that women are just so strong. I love to see like more examples of that. Like when I pulled you up on topology, like all your fights are wins on here. And like not only are there like wins, but they're like, you know, by punches, like by knockouts in the first round. I was like, dang, this woman is like strong then and very trained. So I was like excited to kind of like interview you and kind of like talk about those fights. Yeah. And I mean, strong women all built by strong people and I have a great gym like I said in uh, Albuquerque New Mexico I have great coaches like you know Andrew Tennyson and Greg Jackson and all these other great teammates you know I I really am just a reflection of, of them and everything that they've taught me and uh yeah yeah, yeah that's really, really interesting too I'm glad you brought that up we had um Bobby Southworth on which he was on the first season of the ultimate fighter and he trains people now and like one thing I said during his interview I was like oh I like MMA because it's an individual sport like you go in there and it's just you and like nobody else but then he like brought up to me that like it's also your team and who you train with because you're only as good as like your partners and who you you know train with yeah so sure. that was pretty when interesting just having a good team so that's pretty awesome so you found your team when you were taking the class and then decided to move since it was a really good gym that's pretty awesome how long yep. have you been at that gym I think you said five years or so yeah five years going on six years I've had all my amateur fights with uh Jacksons and been able to you know grow with them and and do all of that stuff and you know like you said there's so many people who have all come together like some I haven't even, you know, paid people who have just been nice to me, my teammates who just wanted to show me something after class um, that, you know, there's nothing I can really ever do to give back to, you know, to, to pay for that debit that's really been given to me. Right. Yeah. Um, no amount of money that I might ever make for mixed martial arts. No, you know, not even representation. Right. Even me being like, everything is, is this person, they gave it all to me. That could never even do it justice. There's no, no thing that I could give. Um, and I once told that frustration to my coach, uh, my head coach, Andrew Tennyson, and he said, the one thing that I could give is one of the easiest things to give. And that's to be a good person. That's to, when I see someone who, who was an amateur struggling to help them out, um, to represent, you know, my sport well, and, and to just try to be a good person with, with the knowledge and the power that, that I, get in this sport yeah that's really awesome too I agree for sure that's like one of my biggest things in life is just be a good person you know it's not a hard thing to do at all so that's awesome yeah yeah do you um, have any fights coming up or anything I see your last fight here and I don't know how often topology is updated but this one was the August of 21 yeah. which seems like a long time ago but it really wasn't you know yeah. Yeah. So uh, that fight was with Invicta and I really loved working with Invicta. It was my first pro fight yeah. and um, Invicta just did such a good job because yeah, sure it was fights, but it felt like art the way they really promoted all of us and heard all of our stories and 
the entire setup and the walkout and the photos, like it was all just beautiful. I really loved working with them and I really want to fight for them again. Um, and I think I will in March is oh, what cool. I'm planning right now. And if, if I seem kind of out of it, this is why it's because, um, well, one, I'm just out of it in general, period. I feel um, that. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, uh, we all just got COVID in the house. So we're all just kind of recovering from oh, that. Now. yeah being able to go to the gym for the first time in like almost a week and a half two weeks on on Monday I'm so yeah. excited um but yeah you know recover from that really make sure even before that you know I think being a female in this sport it's a it's a hard rise to the top you know it's like you're fighting people locally you're fighting people who might not take it so seriously you're fighting people who are like you know one-dimensional and this and that and suddenly it's the top five so (laughs) I really want to make sure and it's same thing for heavyweights right it's just a competition thing it's going away right I'm probably the last generation of females that like can get to like a professional level without any wrestling which is like my biggest thing that I see females missing is like dude just you gotta you gotta know how to wrestle in this sport it's so embarrassing um you know in such a heated atmosphere you know there's no control in an MMA fight right but if I can control if I stay on the feet or go to the ground that's massive right yeah Uh, staying on the feet like if you know Joanna right I really think Joanna was a such a great female wrestler for her time because people would always try to take her down and she had great defensive wrestling and that allowed her to stay on the feet right um but that was a tangent my bad I forgot the original question no I feel like that's definitely related because you are completely right just because even like in the UFC you can kind of see that you really need that wrestling like for instance there's a lot of fighters coming from Russia like in Dagestan like Habib and the guys in his gym and they all wrestle and they're like really good at wrestling and you're kind of starting to see that in the women's division as well and it's like we were talking about this earlier like there's a guy behind the podcast Ronan he's 14 years old and has over 40 fights and he started off in wrestling and I was like there's gonna be more people like that coming into MMA where you say he was 14 yeah and he has over 40 fights yeah bro is he okay yeah (laughs) yeah so they don't let they don't like each other they don't let them like kick in the head or punch in the head or anything so that's good you know but yeah he's very active for sure like he does primarily wrestling he's a lot of Muay Thai and I think that's going to be like the future of MMA so I definitely agree with how you're saying people got to get that wrestling in because I'm like if these kids because he's not the only one if these kids are out here doing wrestling and having like 20 30 40 fights by 14 like I feel like it's going to be tough competition like in the future you know yeah, I mean, that's really been an idea for a long time, right? It's like, oh, these kids, kids are starting to do MMA. Kids are starting to do wrestling. Kids are starting to do jujitsu. You know, by the time they're, you know, whatever age, they're going to be beating on each other. And I definitely agree. You know, I think time is so important in this sport. But also, I also wonder what's their bodies going to be like by the time yeah. they're 21. I and do wonder that too. 
or are they doing this for themselves? Because I know at Wings Gym, I used to teach the kids and something I would see a lot of is like all these parents kind of living vicariously. And it's like, okay, does this kid really want to do this? Or is yeah. it, are you robbing this kid of their, you know, entire childhood, right? Like, have you ever read Ronda Rousey's like book? Because I haven't I read, read her it, book. I don't know much about her story. I think she was like a specialist in judo or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So she was a specialist in judo and her mom, you know, according to that book, her mom really drilled into her head about like, be a champion, blah, 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 this is, you know, and it's like, oh, so when you went home, and this is the same for the kids I was teaching, it's like, oh, these kids don't get a break. When they go home, they're running, a, you know, their parents are talking at the dinner table about how their grappling match went, you know, and yes. I remember we'd go to those like Naga jujitsu tournaments and I'd be coaching the kids and the kid would go up there and he'd have so much fun and he ended up losing and they'd not raise his hand and he would look, he'd first look at me, right? He'd be, and I'd be like, good job, you tried, woo, you know, yeah. we'll do better next time. Here's what we need to fix. And then they look at their parents and their parents are angry. Their parents are like, no, the ref did this wrong. And, oh, da, da, da. oh they could do better. They do better in the gym, this and that. And then the kid starts crying because the parent's upset, right? Yeah. And it's just like, mixed martial arts should be empowering, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're like eight. Like, yeah. You're eight. You're 14, you know? Um, and I don't know the kid that you were talking about. And like, I've met some really awesome, really good people, child prodigies who, you know, who have those boundaries set at home and who are on their way to being like the best in the world. Right. But it's just something I see so many people fall into is like. Yeah, I completely agree. That's a theme I've been seeing kind of on social media lately is like kids posting about like not fighting for your parents like fighting because you love it not because your parents used to fight and they want you to be like better than them and I think it's kind of a similar thing to how like a lot of parents like um of different cultures want their kids to be like doctors and lawyers I'm like what if that's not what your kid you know wants to be you know right and at least a doctor and lawyer at least me talking to my kid about being that and pressuring my kid to be that it's like okay I'm pressuring my kid to be financially stable. Yeah. Girl, you're pressuring your kid to get brain damage. What's wrong with you? Like, don't get me wrong. If my kid wants, if, ooh, if I have a kid and they right, <laughs> um, I'm totally like letting them, right? Like for sure. And if they ask me, hey, hey mom, can you hold some pads for me? I'm going to be like, yeah, sure. Because, um, you know, ultimately, yeah, parents should, tell their kids to follow their dreams and their passions whatever yeah. that is I know that now that I'm older um when my mom would tell me something like hey you know make you gotta go to college you gotta go to college you gotta go to college I was like I don't want to go to college yeah but I understand now what she was really saying is when I die I need to make sure that you don't also die yeah that you'll be taken care of and okay yeah so so that's why you know I I don't that always sucks when the parents are pressuring kids to do stuff like that but then pressuring your kid to like be an MMA fighter it's like one it's a very new thing you know like we've seen that before with like wrestling and football but pressuring your kid to be like there's 
like oh man it's still a new field you know it's still yeah. such a new field. We don't exactly know. it's like there's no retirement plan to my knowledge and yeah no that's a huge that's pay i worry about all the time yeah. there's there's no retirement plan and there's no health care like yeah bro i i uh get suplexed every day for for fun and I you know we kid each other in the head for fun like if anyone needs health care like yeah exactly you know and yeah and Um, that's one thing I didn't know at first I was like oh yeah they probably have health insurance but then um I don't really watch like Jake Paul's fights or anything but I did see him like tweet something to Dana White recently and he was like I'll fight things like Jorge Masvidal if you provide like health insurance to all the fighters and give them like a minimum pay or whatever and I was surprised they didn't have health insurance I feel like that's like the main like career that you would probably want some health insurance because yeah. all some of these fighters after they leave their fight they're going to the hospital right uh I think of uh you know Diego Sanchez and and all that kind of stuff but hopefully in the future there is a retirement plan as this sport elevates to you know NFL or NFL kind of levels right yeah yeah, right now there isn't and um you know that's not good and um, yeah for sure I need to make sure that I spend my money properly and I invest well and all this kind of stuff so hopefully I don't also fall into those traps that I've seen so many of the auto fighters now you know kind of going into yeah Um, that's another thing managing money I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking because I read something online about how I think Angela Hill do you know her she okay yeah she fights in the women's UFC and she was saying that she lost money and she was kind of blaming it on the judges because you know like the judging is not that great in the UFC and like and she right. lost, and so she was saying like she lost money in her training account and I was thinking I don't know if it's because like the fighters don't get paid well enough or I also think they should have like a mandatory like financial planner because when you get like when you're a fighter I don't know if you know like how much you're going to get paid whether you win or lose going into the fight and then like how to manage like okay this is how much a training camp costs this is how much like my travel and you know gear and stuff I think that would be a good thing to have as well. But I don't know if other sports leagues have like financial planner. So I know that uh, Angela Hill and me, actually, we have the same management team, oh, uh, which cool. is okay. Sucker Punch. So they always do a really good job. And I've always been so happy with them. Like Chad is the guy I work with and he's super good at getting like sponsorships and helping, you know, plan in that kind of financial department. But yeah, you know, I always hear people saying, oh, you know, you make this huge amount of money in like two minutes, right? Because you finished the fight in two minutes. And it's like, yeah, gosh, I can't, I can't think of how much, you know, and here's the thing as well, right? As a female fighter, I do get paid a little bit more than someone who's like equally in like my same shoes. Like I think in my last fight, with uh the the bonus I got as well I got paid the same as my coach Andrew Tennyson who's like eight and one as a pro in like one of his LFA fights um so yeah the money thing's weird and kind of one of those things that definitely doesn't totally add up but you know yeah, that's one of those things. I think money is kind of like a weird thing too with like salaries and everything just all across the field. Um, 
Because, like, I always wonder with people who, like, sing professionally or, like, football players, like, do they have someone to manage their money, you know, when they first start? And then, like, also, you mentioned having a manager. Would you recommend that, like, fighters who are coming up get a manager as well, like, to help them get, like, sponsors? Or is there, like, a thing that everybody knows they should have? Yeah, I would say it depends on who you are and what point you are in your career. I think that if you're an amateur, you don't need a manager and anyone who's going to try to manage you is trying to kind of get the foot in. And there are also many, you know, kind of like shitty managers I've also heard of in the sport. Um, But yeah, honestly, I got so lucky there. Chad just reached out to me and I was like, dude, you're freaking awesome and let's do it. And he's been so good to me ever since. But um. It is something that I would I would suggest most pros have for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would suggest the manager, especially once you start fighting for these organizations who are like you know bigger like LFA and Bellator and the UFC and all that, just to have someone who has the knowledge and the pool to kind of, and also like, dude, you're fighting, you shouldn't be thinking about you know, paying your bills. You shouldn't be thinking about, you know, cooking your meals. You shouldn't be, you can just think about fighting. Like that would be ideal, right? You shouldn't think about making t-shirts. Like you should just be able to sit there and do your craft and do your thing. And be Um, able to cut weight and everything. I know that's kind of like mentally challenging as well, cutting weight and like thinking about your nutrition. Right, all that kind of stuff for sure. There's so much, you know, there's so much outside of fighting that you you have to deal with. I do wish that fighters could get, oh, you know what you were talking about that I wanted to bring up before I yeah. forget? We were talking about Angela's Hill, like decision, right? Yeah. That's the cool thing for Invicta, right? Because this uh, Invicta has open scoring, which means after the round, I can look and I can see if I won that round. Oh, okay. Versus like the UFC where it doesn't. And at the end... You know, it's a surprise to everyone. Um, I think that that's super important for, for one, for to keep everyone like in line, right? Um, and I think it's also important for female fighters because the smaller of a female fighter you are, the less finishes you're probably going to get. Realistically, yeah. right? If you're a heavyweight, you know, how many times do we see heavyweight fights just go the distance, right? Like not really, you usually finish, right? But with smaller, you know, 115ers and such, it's like, yeah, most of the fights at the highest level are going to be decision wins. So that decision really needs to be correct, right? Yeah, You exactly. hear people say, like, don't leave it to the ref. Like, bro, I'm 115 pounds. The refs, the, the, or don't leave it to the judges, right? The yeah. judges better help me out, right? So I really hope to see the UFC kind of adopt um, – open open scoring i think would be yeah. really cool that's a new concept to me i've never heard of that but i think i could definitely say how that would be like at least i think motivating for you like maybe if you lost the first round you're like okay i know i gotta bring it like the second round versus like okay i don't know if i lost or won that first round so i'm just gonna like you know right something gaming, right mma is a game all about task tactics and you know understanding and game planning right so that would really help uh, the counter argument is people are like, oh, well, if a fighter sees that they won the first two rounds, they're not going to try that hard in the third. One, every single fighter is going to try to finish, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Especially if there's like a bonus there to get if I do finish, like we're going to try to finish, all right? 
Yeah. And uh, second, the other person's going to try to finish, right? What about yeah. now? What you might see is like two fighters both think that they won the first two rounds and, and you know, that's going to uh, result in an even more boring fight, right? And then there's also this idea that, you know, there is no retirement plan for MMA fighters. So what if we could make one like, you know, ex MMA fighters get to be, you know, judges. No one yeah. knows better than, you know, the people in there doing it. So that would be, that might be some kind of solution. There could definitely be some um, conflicts of interest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, just a lot of ideas. I think hopefully in the future, we do see better, more accurate scoring, right? Yeah. And for sure, that's one thing about judging is so like, I don't like to like say that someone else isn't doing their job well but then I'm just like with the UFC it's like that's kind of like messing with someone's like career you know and so I even took it upon myself to like download the documents for like Florida and start learning like all the judging rules so that way I can like sit for the test because at least here in Florida for the Florida Athletic Commission all you have to do is I think you have to judge like um a hundred rounds and oh, wow. it can count for boxing or MMA. So I was like, okay, I'll just do some boxing because I know theirs are like 12 rounds. Wow. I and I was like, that. I can study that and then sit for the test and be certified, you know. And then um, Herb Dean, he has courses for judging as well right. as refereeing. And it's like, I don't remember how much it was, but you can like pay and then you can do his course and even get on his website and things like that. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that you could, it counts for boxing and for MMA because damn, let's talk about some different sports, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's really a big thing for MMA is like there is no rubric about how much something is worth. If I'm a striker and I, you know, and you take me down, but mm-hmm. you don't do a lot of damage on the ground and I'm able to get back up, who won that, you know? It's, it's. Yeah, and that's something the rules kind of go into. Like it kind of, I'll have to look at them again, but you know how like you can get a 10-8 or a 10-9 based on like how dominative like the other person was. And then also like control time is really big. But for me, it's like, I don't mind grappling, but I don't want to see it on the ground the whole time. And one person's just like holding the other person down, you know? Right. I want to see action. Even, you know, I love, I love taking an opponent to the ground, right? Because I think that on the feet, everyone has a puncher's chance. Yeah. And not safe on the ground. But on the ground, there's something really cool about just sitting on top of someone and pounding their face. And like, that's really cool. And that's also something I don't get to practice. But yeah, there has to be action. There has to be, you know, dominance, right? There has to be aggression. And I think that being able to balance that is such a key aspect for MMA. So earlier you mentioned that you're a heavyweight. So is 145 women's heavyweight? Uh, so I'm a featherweight featherweight okay featherweight yeah it is usually like kind of it's not the biggest weight class because 155 is actually like growing in like popularity okay Um, but it's like it definitely is like I would I kind of sometimes I kind of want it to be heavyweight you know what I mean uh just because I feel like there would be so many more 145ers if it was just like bro just don't come in above like 160 or whatever you know yeah Um, because especially in grappling, we we do see a lot of really kind of talented, heavier women, bigger women who I think would totally come into MMA if there was like, if we could combine 155 and 145, like that'd be cool. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I fight at 145 pounds. And um, I fought at 135 for my last amateur fight. And I might end up going back there as well. But, you know, for right now, we'll see. And I'm just enjoying training. And yeah. Yeah. That's awesome for sure. I'm really glad to have you on the show because it's definitely giving me like more like interesting perspectives that I may have not had before. Just because like one again that open scoring thing kind of blew my mind because I was like oh that is a different perspective and then with the third round type of thing I feel like even if I did win the first two rounds I would probably still go my hardest in the third round because I feel like the other person's going to want to knock me out and like finish me so that they can win and get that bonus like I said yeah there's bonuses and such too but it's such a big thing for women right because we do lock lack that knockout power some of the time I think more and more you're gonna see it right yeah um but Invicta is the only like female all-female organization so it's really cool that they would kind of lead the way in that I didn't know um, that okay yeah yeah they started it maybe like six months no more than six maybe a year ago now um but I think that they're the only main organization that does it but hopefully we see it adopted more often because I, I do think it's cool and it's cool as a fan at home to be able to see and to be yeah. able to follow and I think boxing does it too right doesn't boxing have open scoring or no I think so but I don't know I definitely watch a lot more MMA than I do boxing because I just think MMA is just also more like entertaining yeah for sure yeah. there's no I feel like um you know if MMA is a game of inches and boxing is a game of centimeters, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it's so, there's always a path to victory with MMA and seeing if someone can make those adjustments and figure yeah. it out. It's it is just, so much I faster think, and there's so much more you can do as well. Like, right. There's no body type in it either. A lot of, you know, I would, I don't know enough about boxing to be like, oh, there is, but I know if like basketball, right? It's like, oh, tall guys. With swimming, it's like, oh, big torsos. Yeah. With running, it's like, you know, oh, short, sh- sh- short with long legs, right? Like there's body types for all these sports. And with MMA, there's not really any. Yeah. If you're a kind of guy, you can win. If you're a John Jones kind of linky guy, you can win. It's just about using what you have. And I, I, uh, I think that's really cool. I think that, you know, MMA is just such a, it's such an art, you know, growing yeah. up, I think people always thought I was going to be like the artist kid, right? Because I really like anime and I really like drawing and I wanted to be a digital artist for a really long time. And then people find out like, oh, she, you know, she's an MMA fighter. That's fucking crazy. But it's like, yeah, not really, because there is so much art in this sport. There is. And, um, violent yeah. art uh, yeah <laughs> I like it because like one it is art in so many different ways and also it's kind of like history because you know someone a long time ago had to like develop these like methods and you know means of how to you know choke someone out and how to grapple and things like that or like even in Russia you know Habib was like wrestling bears at like a child a child's age so I definitely think it's like an art and history and that's one of the things I like the most about it you know because like like the Gracie brothers they started like that type of BJJ and like now so many different people practice it it's almost like a culture to me I think right and then BJJ originally came from like 
judo right so it's like it can definitely there there is it's a cultural thing for sure um and even you know the art of like war you know like those kind of philosophies still kind of you know go like for example I remember during my last fight I was listening and watching it afterwards which is always kind of like a mind fuck right you're always like ugh, gross (laughs) Um, I was watching it after and I heard I think it was Misha Tate was talking because the girl I was like maybe in mount or something and I was doing a little bit of ground and pound and the girl's arms were up and Misha was like it's interesting because I don't see like Yontif going for going for submissions and it's like man why would I why would I when I could have this art of war right because like let's say I go for the submission, I go for the arm bar. Not only do I possibly give up position, which would suck, yeah. but I also give them a break from getting pounded in the face. And yeah. I don't want them. They, you know, they're asking me, please give me a break. Give me a way out. Take, maybe you can finish me. Take the finish, you know? Yeah. But why would I do that when I can get the finish right here doing ground and pound? And then, you know, let's say it, I get that armbar and I'm pulling it for the next 30 seconds and we go into the next round. Well, well now I didn't get any damage, but if I and punch your you arms are tired. Times, yeah, if I punch you in the face a few times, you're like, I get some damage out of that. Not to mention too, it's like me as the person on bottom, I go for, I let you get the arm and you take it and I'm able to get out. I have a positive mindset now. I'm like, okay, this person's beatable. They didn't finish me in the armbar. And suddenly I come out mentally the winner and the person, me, who went for the armbar mentally comes out the loser because I didn't get it. Yeah, like, That's a lot of risk. And it's like, why would I do that when I could just pound you in the face and not give you, you know, room to breathe, right? Why would I give you the edge of the pool? No, nah, keep swimming, <laughs> you know, yeah. keep swimming. Um, that's so wild. Yeah. I'm so glad you broke that down for me because that's like my favorite thing about interviewing fighters is getting into the mind of fighters like because I always want to know like what's going on in your head when you're like walking out when you when that gate first closes when you're trying to get out of that submission you know all those things and I just I'm that's my favorite thing terrified constantly terrified yeah <laughs> they talk constantly about GSP terrified. and how um they always had to like talk him out of quitting like he would always like want to quit before going to a fight he's like one of the greatest of all time you know and so I'm like I know if he was scared a lot of other people probably are scared as well yeah no one ever wants to admit they're scared either but I think I think there's empowerment of doing just because I'm scared doesn't mean I'm not gonna do it yeah obviously you have all these ones and then you have these ground pounds and that's not easy you know you gotta have the power and you know there's always this fear of like, you know, I know, you know, and I think part of it too is probably because of, uh, I, I, I always just in the back of my mind, the rawest day is like, things are not going to work out for me. I'm going to walk out here and I'm going to get knocked out. I'm going to get embarrassed. Nobody's going to love me after I lose. That <laughs> um, and I mentally have to tell myself like, okay, okay. So, so I remember walking out with my last fight and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get knocked out. I'm going to get knocked out. Oh my gosh, I'm fighting in 30 seconds and I'm about to get knocked out. Like for sure, like 100%. I'm fucking terrified. <laughs> um, and then, I, you know, it's like, take a deep breath and be like, okay, 
Okay, yeah. so what if I get knocked out? I am so willing to embarrass myself for something I care about. I'm yeah. willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to put myself up there. If I get knocked out, is that really the worst thing that ever happened? No. <laughs> like a bunch of my, you know, some of the most inspirational people to me have been knocked out before, right? And they're still so fucking cool. And I Who are some of your favorite like fighters that have inspired you? Um, I would say Holly is, you know, because we're at the same gym. She's definitely taught me, you know, sure how to be a great fighter and all that kind of stuff. Um, but just how to carry myself as well as a fighter, right? And um, kind of, you know, I I know for me, I'm a crier. Uh, oh, like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I am a frustration crier and I am, I'm, di- I disappointed myself crier and I am a relieved crier and I'm yeah. a happy crier. <laughs> one crier and my friend lost crier and so is holly you know um and so are a lot of other people right and i always thought that was really cool um you know uh i remember one of my coaches joey it was like before my third amateur fight and i was sitting on the bench and he was like and i just had like a hard round and he's like are you okay and i was like yes and he's like are you okay because that's what he sounded are you okay and i'm like yes and he said, can you look me in the eye and say you're okay? And I'm like, no. And so he <laughs> takes my, my face like this, like, because uh, there's no video, uh, hand, like, cups my cheeks in his yeah. hands, makes me look at him and says, are you okay? And I'm just like, eh. yeah, just start uh, sobbing. And uh, I think it was then he's like, yeah, Holly does that too. And I remember just being like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And yeah. like he said about GSP being, uh, you know, kind of being frightened to fight too. I remember being like, oh, that's really cool. That's really empowering to me to know that. Yeah. And Because whenever I fight, I feel like I am kind of opening this giant door for shit to get messed up. Yeah, I mean, and you are, but it's like for something you love. Like we had Dakota Bush, she's in the UFC, he fights at um, 155. In the UFC, we had him on last it was a week before Christmas and he was talking about whenever that gate gets shut, he like automatically think he's like, what am I doing in here? What did I get myself into? You know, but at the same time, it's just like, if this is something you love and this is what you want to do for a living, it's like, you know, you're out here. It's like, I opened the door for so much chaos, but also for so much greatness, right? Yeah. Um, there's like this concept in, in Buddha, in uh buddhism and it's like suffering everyone's gonna suffer mm-hmm. and suffering for no cause is a man's key to hell but yeah suffering for a purpose is man's key to enlightenment and i always think about that it's like greg jackson once told me before when i was talking to him he's like yeah it's like the rocky song there's no easy way out you know because I remember looking at the door before I fought and being like, man, okay, if I run out, like, there's no easy way out. Yeah. I'm in here and I do this shit in the cage, this crazy shit in the cage, there's no easy way out there either, you know? And um, pick your heart, you know, pick your heart. Yeah, Um, that's so true for sure. And when you were saying, you were like thinking like, I'm going to get knocked out when I go in here. It kind of made me think of like, so I like, I like philosophy too. And my big thing is like stoicism. 
and I believe it's like Seneca and he's like saying that one that like a lot of a lot of our suffering is in our head and not like actually something that we're going through and then he's also like saying like prepare yourself for like the worst that would happen so like right. some people are like okay I'm gonna go to work and I'm gonna get in a car accident or I'll get into a fight and realistically that may not happen but you're like prepared so when you're like saying just okay to all of that that really that's what it made me think of it's like you're preparing for the worst but then you know so if it does happen you're good and if it doesn't happen you're like even more happy right I uh I actually subscribe to stoicism quite a lot I think it's really cool I do think that it can be twisted too you know because um like kind of like this hustle culture kind of idea work yourself to the grave all this kind of stuff but I don't think that's what stoicism is about I don't think stoicism is saying wake up at 4 a.m yes. I think stoicism is saying control what you can and let go of the rest and I exactly I always, as someone who's you know I I definitely feel like a control freak a lot and um being able to let go of that it's like okay I cannot control if I get knocked out I cannot control if I'm not the best in the world but what I can control is wake up every morning go to the gym try my best be a good student ask good questions drill after class what I put into my mouth what I what comes out of my mouth right I when I go to like these are the things I can control right and I, yeah. I think you know if you focus on that you'll be okay. Yeah, I completely agree. That's what I get from stoicism as well. I mainly get, it's like, to me, stoicism is like, okay, see the world for what it is. Take it with a grain of salt. Choose to like, not let the bad things affect you. Or it's like, my favorite thing is with by Seneca. It's like, um, you can choose not to have an opinion. And at first that was like, so wild to me. I was like, what do you mean you can choose not to have an opinion? And then I like started practicing that. And I was like, I can really like not let these things psych me out. Like my biggest thing was like traffic, like in Florida, at least no one uses a blinker. <laughs> it's like, okay, the speed limit is a suggestion. Like on the highway, take the work, the speed limit is 60. If you're not going at least 95, it's like, get the hell out of the fast lane, you know? And so oh, yeah. why are you in the fast lane? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, now I drive 90 with everyone else in the fast lane, but it, like, still bothers me when people, like, cut me off or they don't, like, use a blinker. So I'm, like, telling myself, I'm, like, choose not to have an opinion. You can, and now I can and not be phased by it. And right. so that's, like, my favorite thing about, like, stoicism. All right, maybe it's better you don't know jujitsu because uh, my girl can get <laughs> But, uh, no, I remember I used to, you know, struggle with very similar uh, ideas and then I realized too, it's like, okay, it's not personal. If they cut yeah. me off, it's not because they're like, that's Kayla in that car. Fuck you, Kayla. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, I want to go to work and you slow. They would yeah. still be right there if I wasn't this car, right? Yeah. And it's like, I don't have to take it personal. I don't have to get, you know, getting knocked out personal. I don't have to, you know, take losses personal. I don't have to take judgment personal. I don't have to let others, opinions and you know whatever they're going through affect me yeah that's so big too for me in stoicism because like that's another thing I'm an empath and so like you're saying you're a happy cry or a sad cry or a stressed cry like I that's <laughs> me like I've cried so many times like at work or it's because I'm stressed out or like I'm watching a movie I went to see Encanto on New Year's yesterday the new Disney movie I cried during that I cried in Spider-Man twice like I'm a cry and like I'm an empath so if someone like cuts me off in traffic I take it I used to like take it personally but then like 
there's one by Epictetus and it's it says like people's actions are more a reflection of them than you and that like hit me hard I'm like that's right like all this stuff has nothing to do with me it's like more about like what's going on in their brain and, and like what's going on in their life and that like really like blew my mind it's like okay your boss isn't talking to you today it's probably not because of something you did they're probably stressed out or having like a bad day or something you know it makes me I always think about too when I'm being the asshole right it's like sometimes <laughs> sometimes a motherfucker comes up and I want to say something you know yeah. what I, I want to say something and then it's like Kayla are you okay you you want to check in with yourself like did you sleep well are you angry about like your sparring rounds like have you eaten like are you okay and then yeah. usually I would say almost 10 out of 10 times it's like yeah I did have you know my tolerance is low because of something I did wow this is crazy and kind of rewiring my brain to kind of bring that around to a little check-in right yeah and, uh, yeah you know stoicism has really helped me just kind of you know control the things I can right and I yeah. think that's like Max Holloway's like, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I like Max Holloway. He's one of my favorite fighters. I think my favorite fighter total is like probably Dan Hooker just because, okay, he doesn't want like all his fights, but he's like really dedicated. Like recently he fought back to back, like within the past like couple months and like. Did you say Ben Henderson? No. Who's Ben Henderson? Is he, let's see, let me do a little Google search. Am I thinking of the wrong person? Say, say your favorite fighter again. Dan Hooker. Oh. He fights in the UFC at 155, but I think he's going down to um, 145 soon. I see Ben Henderson here. It looks like he fights in, yeah, he used yeah, to fight in the same division fight. as Dan Hooker in the UFC. Oh, okay. Fuck yeah. Yeah, 155 is like the deepest division. And they're like, there are so many people. Yeah. And that's one that's one reason why I like that one because it's like with men's heavyweights, they're like pretty slow for the most part. And a lot of them are strikers, you know, or some are wrestlers. But in 155, you've got strikers, wrestlers, and they're like they're small enough to be like really fast and like be really flexible, but also they're like big enough to be like more powerful at the same time, yeah. you know. First, I think it's like you were saying too, is like, why is my favorite fighter my favorite fighter? Is it really because they've not lost any fights or all that? No, it's because they're fucking, it's the way they go. You know, you can win fights without winning and lose fights without losing, right? Yeah, that's big, yeah. But yeah, 155 is really cool because like I was saying with females, it's like females usually don't see big epic knockouts. Heavyweights you do. And it's like you meet in the middle and that's kind of where you get get the best of both worlds right yeah. like uh hopefully you know female 125 135 145 you see kind of the best of both worlds there hopefully in the future right with like cool knockouts and all that kind of stuff right yeah um and with you know 155 you see a lot of really high level grappling and really high level wrestling and really athletic striking and all this kind of stuff and um yeah i love the 155 division too it's so because, you know, I would think that that's kind of where most men, like, in their prime shape would kind of weigh, right? It's like, yeah, is right? Um, so it makes sense. But I definitely think, you know, 165, too, is going to be, would be really, like, for the same reasons, right, would be really epic. So I'm still hoping. I feel like we were pushing for it for a while, and then we kind of 
we kind of gave up hope. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully we see a men's 165 too. I think that would be epic. I've heard one uh, FC has Adam weight and they're pretty good. I don't. I think Adam weight is what. Let me see. What is Adam weight? Adam like weight is one hundred five. One hundred five. So I think they're the only ones mm. with an Adam weight. But I've heard those girls. They're pretty good as well. Yeah, Invicta has an Adam weight division, and they're really great. That's where Michelle Watterson came from, and uh, I think twelfth. They're having the Adam weight title fight. It might be one hundred fifteen. I think it's Adam Waite, but yeah, there's a lot of freaking talented women there too. Um, yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you the trailer afterwards just for funds. But yeah, I'll yeah, definitely Adam, check it out. Adam well, Waite's great for for women. Um, yeah, more weight classes is always awesome. I think. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the future of MMA for sure. Um, do you want to plug in any of your social media or where people can find you or your fights and things like that? Shout out to my manager, Chad, with Sucker Punch, uh, my gym, Jackson Week, my head coach, Andrew Tennyson, my cat, Big King Coconut. <laughs> he supports me always. Um yeah, uh, hopefully I'm fighting in March and in um yeah, my Instagram is it's K A Y and then it's like the underscore L A underscore R O O Kayla Rue with underscores, not periods. Okay. I changed it over so that I would match my like Reddit and my Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll definitely plug it into the show <laughs> notes so that way it'll be like I still be in print. Yeah, but it'll be in the show notes and I'll send you a link. But thanks again for coming on the show. It was like super interesting to like hear your perspective of one I like getting inside fighters heads and seeing what goes on like during the fights and I was happy to see that like you listen and watch your fights again like going back that's always fun and then to find someone else who also likes philosophy that's like really big because that's like my number one thing I read every day just to always keep learning yeah and you can see it in MMA you can see philosophy and manipulation all you know all the time and I think that's another reason why women is, you know, women are going to be so successful at this sport um, is because of that emotion, emotional IQ as you were being an empathetic and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, when I look at your feet and I look at your feet and I look at your feet and then I kick you in the head, like there's some psychology in that too. There's some trickery in that too. There's some manipulation in that. So no, it totally makes sense. And I'm uh, grateful for you having me. And it was uh, fun talking to you. Yeah, fun talking to you as well. Hey, guys, thanks again for listening to the podcast this week. Don't forget to uh, DM us on Instagram if you have anything you want to talk about or if you'd like to be a guest on the show. And also, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps people find our podcast. And again, we really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Bye.